All right. All right, all right, all right, all right. Peace and love, family. This is WTDTA Radio. You're locked in live with trustee training. And I got a lot to say. I'm going to go ahead and say it, but I can only say it on the private network because what I'm about to say is not meant for public ears. It's meant for private ears who are definitely in, definitely doing what they do. It's a fitting um, soundtrack. This is my guy, KRS-One. For those of you that don't understand who KRS-One is, man, y'all do some research and then holler back. Fitting title between the protests. This album was dropped 2020 of last year, right around December. And this is a fitting soundtrack for what I'm finna go over. Because I'm finna do what I was told I should have done a long time ago. And that is, they said the revolution would not be televised. We said, what if it is, you just didn't know it. And what I'm about to do right now is I'm gonna clear up the naysayers from what it is. I don't want nobody to take what we're going to put in this broadcast as any direct message directly to any particular one person. It is more or less a public service announcement. Before we begin, I'm going to give you the disclaimer. Each and everything you're going to hear in this particular broadcast is for educational purposes only. We do not profess to give legal advice. Each and everything in this particular broadcast is for educational purposes only. We do not profess to give legal advice. I want everyone who has been listening to WTD Radio, have been listening to Spellbound Media and Entertainment, who has been part of trustee training and everything all going all the way back to the late great days of Bezel Bay, a.k.a. J-Dog, V-Dub, Beanie Winnie, and T-Street. If you go back all the way back to those days, I want you to understand that what I'm finna do is what I should have did a long time ago, but I've been kind of been trying my best to make sure everybody can kind of understand and understand what it is about. But the gloves come off now because we're in a paradigm shift and the rift, the, the race goes to the one who can endorse. So, keep listening because what you're listening to can definitely uh, save you. Um, matter of fact, I picked some of the most relevant questions pertaining to trustee training and accounting to um, to demonstrate exactly where everybody needs to be in their process and what they're supposed to be doing. I want you to listen. I know some of you guys are out there recording everything that I say, so please do that. Matter of fact, I'm giving you an opportunity. Remember the disclaimer, if you're going to record it, get it all. Don't get half of it. Get it all. You know, you know, if you're going to misquote me, misquote me accurately about that. But anyway, we finna turn up, so we're going to let KRS-One do what he does. We finna do what we do, and if you keep listening long enough, you're going to learn something. Tell you the truth though, really? I like to read a lot, books be uplifting me, words help you see a lot, this book was a gift to me, Chuck D presents this day in rap and hip hop history, it's a reference book, it puts important dates in a list for me, Jamel Shabazz, a time before crack, a photographic history of hip hop from way, way back, here's Martha Cooper's hip hop files, Charlie Ahern, Wild Style, and 50 Cent's 50th Law, I used to read this to my child, sometimes I look at my life. Greeting Mr. Bidzil. We were wondering what exactly is current expected credit loss provisions? Okay. Most everybody I come in contact with 
have no idea what current expected credit loss provisions are. So let me explain. Current expected credit loss provisions is the new accounting standard that was introduced. It was brought into fruition in 2015, implemented in 2017, and now is the accounting standard for all three-way reconciliation. So if you're in commerce, whether you're doing your accounting or you're letting someone else or some other program do it for you, they are being scrutinized by current expected credit loss provisions, otherwise known as the industry as CL, I mean CECL, CECL, current expected credit loss. Well, what is the court registry investment system? Hmm, what is the court registry investment system? Well, the court registry investment system is a system that is presently being used by all courts here domestically that interdates these cases into a uh, commercial registry of sorts that's domestically and internationally connected in order for them to perfect um, deposits into the central banking system. The court registry investment system is where all things notarized, documented, substantiated, authenticated, verified, registered, this is where it all goes. If you are uh, using a birth certificate that has been hedged and ledged inside of a court registry investment system, if someone happens to transition and, they're, and they've died and they left something to go to probate and you have a probate case, well that case has been hedged and ledged into the court registry investment system. Uh, if you're getting married and you get married um, through a court uh, scenario where you go before the justice of the peace, well that marriage certificate is being registered in a court registry investment system. If you are using social security benefits, those benefits are being heavily regulated in your state and or federal government and it's being hedged and ledged into the court registry investment system. So what is the court registry investment system? Is the very system that you're utilizing and whether you are scheduling a court date, if your documentation has to be authenticated, certified, and registered, if you're in an application, a certification, and registration, then you're in part of a trust agreement, and that information is being hedged into the court registry investment system. And how does the court registry investment system monetize these cases? Good question. They monetize these cases because each case that is put before the system is literally, is literally hedged as a private certificate of a, of a deposit. In other words, you heard of CDs. So think about CDs as certificates of deposit. So your court cases are evidences of certificates of deposits that's made with the central banking system. That's actually the forerunner for the Federal Reserve System. And Every case that has been given a case number have additional QCIP numbers that are used for security, monetization, and debt securitization purposes. What is most preferable for implementation a civil law notary or a license attorney? Hmm. What's more preferable? <clears throat> a civil law notary for implementation of these securities or presentments or an attorney? I get this question a lot, so here's what I've learned. A long time ago, 
a lot of these processes were done by individuals who simply gathered this information and went out in their own tandem and developed some sort of process. I, I realized after looking at a lot of the cases that came across my desk, a lot of people were not using accounting, but they was trying to simply leverage an opportunity. For example, uh, they would come to Diversity Trust, Bezel Bay and Associates with a tax issue. And then because we agreed to do X, Y, and Z, they wanted us to stand before them and represent their estate in something that they've done. Now, court is a dishonor honor process. So if you were already in dishonor, whether you contracted willy-nilly or you didn't know, ignorance of the laws, no excuse, you screwed that honor dishonor process up. And the only way it's going to work in most of my cases that I've experienced is that you got to be in honor. You got to get back in honor. And that requires you to expand your knowledge of who you are in these transactions. So I suggest that you always use a civil law notary because a licensed attorney, and again, if you are a licensed attorney, uh, y'all know how I feel, but I'm going to put it out there. Uh, if you got a license and you're an attorney, then please show that to me because I've never in my life seen a licensed attorney. Anyhow, to answer that question, I always prefer a civil law notary because I can show you a civil law notary, but I cannot show you a licensed attorney. We heard that all cases recorded in the court registry investment system are evidences of substantiation of the Article 9 security interests in a potential tax issue. Can you explain this to us? Okay. <clears throat> A lot of individuals, their first weapon of defense whenever they are, there's a disagreement in some sort of contract or issue. See, plaintiffs can only bring up civil matters. It doesn't become criminal until you keep tongue wrestling with the court system and it becomes, you know, an issue. Well, a lot of people in the public, and this is business owners, entrepreneurs alike, because everybody mainly has a connotative concept of what they think is happening see they think because they got all these accolades that i'm you know i took up this look i just say it too i'm an accountant i'm this that means jack squat you know why because that's what we think that's not what actually is happening because what's happening is commerce is being conducted and it's a polarity component and most of your concepts are actually built on symbiotic relationships you can't have debtors without creditors. You can't be a creditor when they have no debtors. There's a symbiotic relationship. People get all emotional about slavery. When back in the day in commerce, it was servitude. So don't get offended when I say you can't do these processes if you're still in the job slave mentality. This ain't for you. Go back to work. Earn revenue. Do business. And do accounting. Then you can fix your problem. So... To fully explain this, when you go to court and you don't exercise all these remedies, you're committing tax fraud because everything in commerce is a tax issue. So if you go there first, that means you're incompetent, you're committing tax fraud, and everybody's immune because of your buffoonery and your ignorance. We also heard that United States Constitution is really a trust agreement. Can you explain this in detail? All right. Here's the deal. 
the United States Constitution and all those constitution, constitutions that were written beforehand. When they say we the people, most of us believe that they was talking about us. You know, me. I'm going to speak on me. I ain't going to speak on you. I don't know you. I thought when they said we the people, they was talking about me. You know, I thought they was talking about me. I realize that whenever you are dealing with the King's English, when you see words written in all capital letters in succession, in sequence, they're talking about a very specific group. When you do history, because see, civics and law, civics in the public school system, majority of what you call the 50 states, a lot of the states no longer teach civics. So I, I don't get offended when you don't know that law and history go together. I get offended when you totally go past that to justify some... All right, here's what I get. You want to fix your problem, but you don't want to become responsible by holding everything in that component accountable, including the straw man. We used to say back in the day, if you're not willing to sacrifice the straw, this ain't for you. Stay on the plantation, keep your head low, and learn something. This ain't for everybody. You know, this process, even though it works a lot of ways for a lot of people, it ain't got nothing to do with us. It got everything to do with you. It ain't about what I know. It's, a, it's, a, it's not about what I will do. It's about what you know. Because, see, belief and faith are degrees. And most individuals who come with problems, they have a belief and a faith, which is the problem. If you want to change that problem, you must have a different belief and faith. Because the body goes where the mind is. So the Constitution is talking about a very specific group of sovereigns. And so a lot of individuals have been scared to death to use the word sovereign. I'm going to speak from experience. When I was on my vacation, they had me labeled as everything but a domestic terrorist, sovereign citizen, the whole nine yard. But here's the deal. The difference between most sovereign citizens and Bezel Bay is that I just didn't talk out the side of my neck i was applicable see there isn't anything the system can do to me except for free me now you know if you incarcerate the body you free the mind the mind is is a, is a free ever-flowing compassive energy all they want me to do is stop opening other people's mind to the fact that they're in prison in every prison even in every prison you have to have trustees they want me to stop doing that and i took a vow never to stop bringing forth truth but i'm not gonna cast pearls among the swine so if you're really trying to get it together, you're in the right place at the right time. If you're just a fly on the wall trying to figure it out because you heard something, then keep listening because you're going to learn something. So for those of you that think the Constitution gives you a right, you better do a checkup from the neck up to see exactly who you are. Because if you're not, you're not considered a human being unless you have a nationality. What is a transmittal letter? Who can... Okay. A transmittal letter. A transmittal letter, let's break it down. When we do arbitration with PAGE, which is Private Attorney General's Executives, for those of you that have been in arbitration, don't know what PAGE stands for and have no clue on the group and the organization that's behind it, PAGE is the Private Attorney General's Executives. Uh, I was made a member of PAGE because a client had an issue 
dealing with international commerce and I was asked to sit as a witness and later discovered that there was a need to do arbitration among those who were conscious. Later I found out that it works best when you have knowledgeable civil law notaries in the process. Because see, everybody can't be in arbitration. Let me say this another way. Some folks, and I figured out that actually they need somebody to bring their case before arbitration. You know, because they still are wrestling with, the, you know, they got an identity crisis. You start dropping a whole bunch of knowledge on them of self, and they still think that George Washington was the first president. They black, negro, and colored. And because they give you fiat, you're their indigenous servant, and you're supposed to have all the answers, and they ain't got to take no responsibility for their own actions in their own commercial endeavors. And then you become the bad guy when you say, look, I sent you information. Did you read it? I'm not here to hear all of that. I want you to, you know, hold on. You're the one with the problem. You got to be the change you want to see. Just as fast as information will find you, it'll leave you because it doesn't belong to any of us. It's just that. The information will make you free if it becomes a part of you. So if you're riddled with self-doubt, you're uncertain, and you just don't know, then you got to work that out. And that is on a that's natural law. See, I really would like to talk about more of the natural law matters of things because that's where the real remedy at, but we can't get past this whole commercial aspect. Because, see, most of us ain't really been in a real battle. The people that have not been in a real battle, let me explain to you what a real battle is. When you're fighting for your life in the system, now it ain't about, oh, somebody got to do this paperwork for me. Oh, I got to get up and do it. And guess what? I don't have the internet, the computer. I got to take out my pen and pad. Let me give you, let me give you another one. Most of the successes come from the individuals who actually have stepped foot inside of a law library. If you've never been in a law library and you're having problems with a process, that might be part of the problem. See, when you are battling and you understand that this is accounting and your mental capacity shifts, the glass goes from being half empty to half full. You may be the only one in your family that really get what's going on. And that's alright, because that's all that needs to happen, as long as you get it. I was warned to save the savable. And don't waste time bringing folks that are kicking and screaming to this, because this ain't for them. So... Again, I put disclaimer out. It's not to any particular person or group or anything like that. You guys know how I roll. This is tax season. Those of you that have know that know Bazell Bay, that know really what's behind what's really being done, who have actually worked their processes from the ADP to the whole layout. They understand what a letter of transmittal is because that's the question. What is a letter of transmittal? TSI does the letter of transmittal. And then a competent trustee knows how to utilize that letter of transmittal in, in their process. But that's the aha. That's the proof in the pudding. How do I do that? Well, if I tell you how to do that, that means you're not competent. If the administrative process tells you how to enforce your Article 9 security interest and you are a notary that participated in that, then you know the answer to that question. If you don't know, you ain't studying what you got. Because the letter of transmittals are issued by 
any third-party entity that sh that shows a <clears throat> a creditor to debt a relationship where there's a breach of contract because a debt has not been settled. Do the transmittal letters? How can a civil law notary use the money transmittal bond? If I'm a civil law notary, or what is referred to during arbitration as the first notary, who participated in arbitration proceeding, how can I use the truth affidavit for substantiation current expected loss provision implementation? Okay, so that was a group of questions. They was all kind of grouped together. So I'm going to break the questions down and I'm going to answer them verbatim. Alright, <clears throat> first question was what is a transmittal letter? I gave that. Alright, next question was who can issue the transmittal letters? And I told them TSI. Um, how can a civil law notary use money transmittal bonds? Well, when they perfect their Article 9 security interest and they do current expected credit loss provision implementation, that money transmittal bond is used to move the Article 9 security interest from one accounting ledger to the next ledger. So you got to know all those variables to know how one will use it. A civil law notary will use it in their own commercial registry because the civil law notary is the commercial registry. Now, we go into the next question where we're talking about if I'm a civil law notary or what is referred to during arbitration as first notary who participated in arbitration proceedings, who participated in the arbitration proceedings, how can I use the truth affidavit for substantiation of current expected credit loss provision implementation? Very simple. The truth affidavit is an award letter. Okay? And the award letter comes off of the, all of the facts that was done through discovery. So the civil law notary was doing noting and minting of everything that was being done in the proceeding. So to answer the question... The civil law notary can use a truth affidavit as current expected credit loss provisions allowances. In other words, what's on the truth affidavit is actually a allowance. It's an allowance that's used by the fiduciary for credit losses. It's an allowance for credit losses. How can I use the Admiralty claim for substantiation current expected credit loss provision implementation? Okay, if you're a civil law notary, if you read the very first page of your Admiralty claim and read it all the way to the last page, everything inside of your Admiralty claim is verbatim the instructions that you would want to use to convey that information to a second and third party. Now, competent notaries who have been doing noting and minting actually have access to a marketplace to monetize the securities. But you can't turn a kid loose, you know, with a shotgun. If you're asking for accounting ledgers and they're not providing the ledgers or they don't know what they're doing, here's my question. I don't even need to see the notaries. I mean, I don't need to even need to see the ledgers. You need to know what the asset is and how you wish to convey it. Which requires a whole nother envelope of what? Learning. You have a 400 page manual. 
I told you to read the first 20 pages of the manual, and I tell everybody to read the first 20 pages because if you at least read the first 20, then it won't be hard to do everything else. But if I can't, if I keep getting the same questions and you're feeling like you're not getting the answers, it's because I've already said it till I'm blue in the face. Instead of reading it, you want me to tell you. And me telling you don't help you because you got to learn it. You got to use it. So, to answer the question, how can I use the Admiralty claim for substantiation of the credit expected credit loss provisions implementation? Follow your Admiralty claim to the letter. Should a trustee be rendering any type of presentment without knowing the net asset value of the assets under management? Unequivocally not. If you don't know what your NAV is, see, all that work in accounting is to determine your NAV. If you don't know what that is, you still got work to do. So I don't suggest me, Bazell Bay, hear me clearly. Bazell Bay does not suggest that you do anything until you know what your NAV is. Because that data, that metadata is pertinent upon how those securities are being monetized and hypothecated inside of that private market space. There's a reason why we want to see uh, what you would call in the industry, uh, you know, we have different types of reports. We have different types of models. Um, you know, I don't want to put in proprietary information, but those of you that are notaries and or uh, participate in arbitration, there's a particular model that we use. Well, I tell you what, I use a public term. It's called a discount cash flow model, DCF. So if you do a DCF, then you know what your NAV is. If you haven't done a, a DCF, for the particular issue in place, you don't know what it, your NAV is. And so when you usually run into the Q&A with me, I'm asking for the NAV. Meaning that I don't need to, you know, I, I know you're scared to do a ledger because you think I'm going to smack your wrist or whatever. It doesn't matter to me as long as you know it. I'm asking for the NAV. To, I, I want to see what your homework is. Now, when I don't see it, it's very hard for me to get into what should you do. See, I'm not with you when you're spending in commerce. I don't want to be in your hip pocket like that. I'm not managing what you're doing. You know, you're the, you're the manager. I'm asking you to convey the information and substantiate that supports whatever you're trying to do. Not take my concept of what I think you should do and it becomes what you're trying to do because you're not me. There's a reason why I'm doing what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and saying what I'm saying. It's not about what I say. It's about what you know. So no, I, I recommend that if you do not, if you do not know what the net asset value of the assets under management are, then no trustee should be rendering any type of uh, placement until they know that. Can you explain this in detail? Finally, when will we be able to liquidate our general intangibles? Please elaborate. Alright, I asked the other question. I already went into what I feel a trustee can't do in terms of presentment if they don't know NAV. The, the final question. When can we liquidate these assets, these general intangibles? I'm ready for funding. You know, when, when, when? 
Now, here's something that everybody who knows Brazil already know. If you're asking me when you are when can you do your liquidation of general intangibles, then you missed a step somewhere. Because I am not the authority. Like my, my grandbaby, she, I love what she said. You're not the boss of me. I'm not your boss. I can't tell you when you're ready to liquidate. Now, if I was engaged into your everyday bookkeeping and accounting and substantiation in a regular schedule, then I could be. But it's extremely difficult for me to tell you when to liquidate your general intangibles when I have no idea who you are in these transactions. So you should be able to tell me when you're going to liquidate. If you're going to do something on Friday, you should be telling me. Not when can I. And if you're at that stage where you're thinking or you feel that someone's got to tell you what to do to act, then chances are there's probably so much information you might have missed a step. Now, these are the most generally typed questions that I get. And after this weekend of going over where we are because, you know, we're in tax season. You know, we're getting ready to monetize securities. And I'm like Santa Claus. I'm making a list and I'm checking it twice. You know, it's time to shake things up and see where everybody's at and what they, fin- you know, what they plan on doing. And, um, again... For those of you that are out there recording every word that I'm saying and doing this, that, and the other, I hope you got it right. If you're going to misrepresent me, then do it accurately. Uh, because this information is for everybody to make sure they're on the same sheet of music. One thing about me, uh, I make my intentions very clear. And even though I'm very uh, standoffish, um, there's a method to the match. And it's real simple. Um, the information is meant to free you. But you got to make it a part of you. And, you know, I've had a long laundry list of individuals who have came, come and gone. Some of these individuals were, you know, we were the best of friends. You know, it was just they felt that I should have been more instrumental in their uh, process. Meaning that, um, Brazil, why, if you knew all that, why didn't you just, let me explain and again. Here's, here's one thing about Brazil. I do this with my kids. I do this with my significant other. If I I don't like to argue, and, I, and you know, even though it sounds like I'm repeating myself, I think a whole lot faster than what I talk. And get worried with me when I stop talking. Let me just say it that way. As long as I'm talking, it is what it is. But if I ever start withdrawing, I'm feeling a little slighted because it's like all the stuff that I'm doing is for me. It's kind of like, okay, you put together a video or instruction manual, whatever the case may be. You take all that time and energy putting it in. And then the individual won't even bother to read it. But they want to, they want you to pour out of your mind into their mind what you know, which came with experience. They don't want to go through the experience. They don't want to get up, fail. Get up, dust themselves off, and go try. They want to get up. They want to get out there and do it right the first time. No effort, no strain. Doesn't work that way. This doesn't. And I have to do this to get everybody's attention. Because, see, we're at a, we're at a pivotal point right now. 
See, 8302 returns should already have been done before you're even doing any type of resentment, in my opinion. That wasn't one of the questions, but I, I always throw that in because that's just how I feel. Now, again, that doesn't make it law. That's just how I feel. So if I'm telling you this is my direction, anything that's going to come contrary to that, you already know what kind of response you're finna get. There's a reason why I'm saying it. But anyway, hey. Keep listening because if you listen long enough, you definitely will learn something. We're, this is not the end. This is only the beginning. Remember, as long as you guys keep doing what you're doing, we ain't going nowhere.